The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel. I'm the host for the podcast, and my husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer of the podcast. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please reach out to us, theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and give us a good rating, not because we're looking for glory, but because we want people who have loved ones who are addicted, individuals who are addicted or in recovery, we want them to find our podcast in the effort of ours to help people who are going through that. Also check out our YouTube channel, subscribe, ring the bell, and give us thumbs up on our videos. Today's episode is episode number 325. And today we are interviewing a gentleman named Michael Fiore. Michael Fiore is the outreach coordinator for Voices for Awareness and Project Facing Fentanyl, home of National Fentanyl Prevention and Awareness Day, which is August 21st. Michael is the CEO and founder of Inspire to Inspire, providing resources to addicts in recovery nationwide. Michael comes from a family with a history of addiction. His grandfather died of an overdose. His uncle died of an overdose. He lost two grandmothers to alcoholism. And then later in his life, he became addicted himself. In 2021, he detoxed off of methadone which is quite a feat in itself. Just a couple of weeks after detoxing on Thanksgiving 2021, Michael's mother died from AIDS. So Michael really has become an inspirational national speaker. He is His talks have become well-known in the recovery and fentanyl prevention communities. His high energy, which you will see, and positive at- attitude have been an asset to growing his advocacy portfolio. So let's talk to Michael Fiore. Michael Fiore, thank you so much for being with us today. I read your bio. You definitely have a story to share with us. And I'm interested in hearing about your story, but also what you're doing today. So thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. I do want to uh, thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak on your platform. We don't have enough of these platforms um, to be able to just get out there. The overcoming of stories, the education, the prevention, how to help people in a world that we're living in with uh, technology and social media. This is just another way to reach people that you can't reach face to face. So I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Michael, take us back and uh, just tell us a little bit about your background. I did read that you there was addiction in your family, but talk about your family, where you grew up, and where. how did you get started on drugs? How did you go down that road? Sure. So uh, again, my name is Michael Fury, 20 years of uh, active using, 12 years on methadone, as high as 120 milligrams, uh, successfully detoxed in New York City on November 3rd of 2021. Um, my, both my parents died of AIDS from heroin use, uh, two grandmothers, alcoholism, a grandfather, heroin, uncle heroin. So you could say I got into the family business, right? I mean, Um, you know, circumstances and environment play such a huge impact on our upbringing. Right. Um, but my parents weren't bad people, you know, like they, 
they provided. What what led me to drugs was because my parents were on methadone. If you know methadone, you could you could probably sleep every minute of the day if you just mm-hmm. go and lay down. Um, they weren't present in my life as much as I think a child should have their parents present. You know, like not at football games, baseball games, events. So what I did was I seeked validation from the outside world. You know, I became a people pleaser. You know, there's a, a quote: "A friend of everyone is a friend of nobody." Mm. But I wanted to be everybody's friend. So by seeking validation from the outside world, that actually allowed the devil the opportunity to come in my life and control my life, right? Um, I had to manipulate and lie and become whatever it was I thought you liked because I seen value in everything else but inside myself. So Mm -hmm. if I seen somebody liked for a specific reason, this is how my mind works. I studied the person, how they spoke their story, how they moved their arm moment. So then I wanted to tell your story better than you. So now people would like me. So like when I, the manipulation and the lying led me to one day looking in the mirror and not even recognizing the person I looked at. I was so far gone at this point. So I was always fighting the man in the mirror and always fighting the man within. What the drugs allowed to come in my life was to create an ego. Right. The drugs allowed me the opportunity with being okay if you thought things about me that weren't true, but you thought they were true. I was okay with it. Like if you thought I had money and I didn't, it's cool. If you thought I did something and I didn't, it was cool. Um, so that led me down a really dark path. And you know, they say you're the average of the five people closest to you, right? By living my life of manipulation and lies, my two best friends became complaining and confusion. Those were my two best friends. Those are the people that I kept the most company with. And because I was always complaining about life and confused about life, the the playing the victim and the self-pity became a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, oh, poor me. My parents are addicts, right? And then my advisor became my doubt. The ego became my illusion. Pride became my destruction. Misery was my motivation. That's why no matter where I changed my location or what I was doing, my addiction always followed me because I kept that company with me. Um, So you could either be at peace with your addiction by using and be at war with the world, or you could be at war with your addiction and at peace with the world. So, you know, what really changed for me was the the fact I, uh, I stopped fighting love and I started highlighting my wounds and I started loving my wounds. So, you know, the short form of it, um, I lived a life, right? I homelessness, you know, I went into treatment 30 times, finally got off the methadone. Um, but yeah, the, my road to addiction led to my loss of identity. And I, I understand. And I'm, I'm glad you're clean and sober now. How, how old were you when you started drugs? I mean, I see, I get that it was in your family, but how old were you when you started? Um, I started well. So when I got addicted, right. When the drug became my life and I needed it for everything, I want to say I was around, maybe 18 because I was a pretty good athlete growing up. So, you know, ah. playing sports actually keeps you away from the life and, yeah. you're, you know, with a bunch of kids. Once the sports of high school went away because I didn't go to college, right? Um, that when high school went away, that's when, you know, hanging out on the block happened more. So I was about 18, uh, you know, and I got clean at 38. So I, I had, I did my 20 years on the job. I'm in <laughs> retirement now, you know, exactly. retirement. <laughs> what sport, Michael? What was your sport? Baseball I'm just curious. Pretty much my, uh, my, the, the sport I was best at. I was a pitcher. I was a shortstop, uh. you know, um, 
I, I like the uh, having the game in my hand. What an addict way to want to do things, mm-hmm. right? Control the narrative. Uh, but, but yeah, pitching was actually what I was best at. I probably could have went further, but it just wasn't God's plan for me. So I appreciate the opportunity of not being able to do that and doing what I'm doing today. Exactly. And were you um, were you doing drugs while you were playing baseball or no? No. No. Okay. So it started yeah, no, after. If you know anything about pitching, you don't want to be anything on anything because you got to feel your body. You got to know when you're starting to get tired, when you use the legs more, you know, like, so I would, you know, maybe smoking weed, but yeah, nothing until I was about 18. That's when it really started to uh, escalate. Okay. Is that how you started smoking weed or alcohol? Yes. Yeah. Weed, weed was uh, the first. Alcohol was never my thing. I only okay. did alcohol so I could sniff more Coke. That's the okay. only time I ever used alcohol. Um, took too long. I needed okay. something quick. You know, I, yep. I was that instant kind of guy, real instant kind of guy. As soon as it hits the tongue, I'm going to feel it. Okay. So you started smoking weed. And then when, so were you 18 when you were introduced to harder drugs? Uh, yes. Okay. 18, the summer of 18, I got introduced to ecstasy. Okay. Uh, and then ecstasy led to ketamine, which then led to acid. Uh, and then, um, I never shot up heroin. Uh, my parents okay. took that, my parents took that bullet for me, you know, like growing up in a house with, uh, you know, seeing what the, the, the virus does to the human body and the deterioration of it, uh, yeah. scared me enough to not shoot up. Didn't scare me enough to not do drugs, but it scared me enough to not shoot up. So I appreciate them taking that, um, that bullet for me. And I love them for that. Got it. When did you decide that you had to get clean and sober rather than going down the road of family members who had overdosed? When did you decide that you had to change? So in uh, 2021, uh, my father died in 2013. My mother passed away on Thanksgiving of 2021 while living in treatment three weeks off of just detox and off of methanol. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, when I actually went into treatment was when my mother was deteriorating at a very, very rapid pace. So I needed to at least let her see that her son, her 36 year old man child, cause that's what I was. I lived mm-hmm. at home, you know, um, that her son was going to be all right. I wanted her transition into the, the her next chapter of her life mm-hmm. to know that her son was, you know, good. And I got that validation, right? My, I've always heard my mother say, you know, you look good. You're doing good. I remember being on the phone with my mother's doctor and speaking to him and when i hung up the phone she said you sound different and moms mm. know their children better than anyone when yep. she said i still get goosebumps when i say because i could hear her saying it um when she said i sound different it was like this overwhelming feeling like you know what i'm gonna do it this time and mm. and it was it was god's moment for me to let me know like the all right now's your time we need we need to go to work you and i and i appreciate that 
Okay. And and that was the point at which you got off of methadone, right? I, I left my mother. It took me six months to detox off the methadone through a blind detox in a treatment facility in New York City. Um she was going to, she was going. So I had to okay. leave my mother, which was a very difficult decision, yep. me being a mama's boy. But we enabled each other, right? Yep. You know, my mother probably could have took better care of herself. But because I was living at home, I did a lot of work. Uh, I manipulated my mother's love for my father and her understanding of addiction to get her to give me her drugs when I didn't have drugs. Mm. Um, when she passed on, um, which you know, my mother gave me life and birth and then gave me life and death. Um, when she passed on, my plan B was removed out of life. Right. So now if you don't, if you have a plan B in your recovery, understand, maybe you could do it. I haven't experienced anyone that can. If you have a plan B, you never go hard on plan A, no matter what it is. You got the quote unquote fallback plan. There's no fallback plan with recovery. There's either do it or it's not going to happen. Right. Right. Um, Recovery is a mindset, it's a lifestyle way of living. Sobriety is the absence of drugs. Recovery is working on the problem, which is yourself. That's how it stays this journey and have substantial amount of growth. Um, but, you know, like I even my perspective changed when my mother passed away. And that's, I think, the only thing we need to change. My characteristics are the same. My effort is the same. The only thing I changed was my perspective and how I see things. And when she passed away, my perspective of death turned into, I will not mourn my mother. I will celebrate my mother by how I walk this life. At the same time, um, the, the, the death became an opportunity. She became the why I became the how and why I don't pick up. It's because if I pick up, she's still dead. But what's not dead is that beast that's inside of me that's always lurking to want to come out. So that's why I don't see death as being an opportunity or even an excuse no more to use. Interesting. Yep. I know she'd be proud of you. Yes. 100. She was proud, proud of me even on the drugs because she knew I could become this person. That's why they never gave up on me, my parents. You know, they, yeah. they had that unconditional love. I mean, I did take their son away from them for 20 years, and I know they don't get to see this version of me. But because I come from a family history of addicts, it's not was never my destiny to become an addict. They gave me the opportunity to create a legacy to change the course of my family's history and be the person that breaks that generational curse and make it that the ones that come after me don't have to go through the things we went through. So, uh, like, again, I appreciate the opportunity of all my ancestors that were addicts because now I'm taking on the responsibility and putting them on my shoulders because they're believing in me to do so. And that's a great perspective. You talked about changing your perspective, and that's a great perspective that you are now changing that whole pattern of addiction going forward in your family. And that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Well done, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So methadone withdrawal, that's not an easy thing. No, no, not at all. Uh, you, so I'm I'm 15 months off of it, right? Um, right? I haven't slept more than three hours in those 15 months. In those 15 months, I have not had one restful night's sleep where when I wake up in the morning, I felt like I slept. Wow. I wake up every morning with anxiety. The, you know, the, the, that feeling. And in my dream, before I wake up, I'm having something occur in my dream that's causing me to wake up with the anxiety, whether I'm in fire and I can't get out or I'm underneath water and I can't swim to the top. And lately, this one's real wicked. <laughs> lately, I got a lotto ticket and I can't cash it. You oh, know, no. Like that, that, yeah, like a million dollar lotto ticket. I can't find it. <laughs> but this is how I wake up every day. And I think... 
I appreciate everything that God puts me through. Like I actually pray at night to go through other people's pain so I can find a way to speak on it and help them find the value in it and change their perspective. I wake up every day with something that people go back to the drug for, but yet I don't go to it. So right. I'm going to find a way right. to put it into words because there is no more excuses. We're not victims. We're not, we're survivors. Every single right. addict out there is a survivor. Look at everything you've been through. You're not a victim. You're a survivor. <laughs> survivors are meant for greatness. We are victors, you know? Yeah. So like, I'm going to find a way to put something into words because there's a passion inside of me. There's a fire burning inside of me since I got clean that I don't know any other way to do it, but have it come out with the passion and the words I speak. So like, um, I appreciate the opportunity to overcome my addiction every day. I open these eyes because every day I open these eyes, I beat my addiction by not picking up the pill. So every day I wake up winning, I'm undefeated every day I wake up now. That's, that's awesome. That's amazing. And you're absolutely right. So here's a question. How did you get involved in the organization that's dealing with fentanyl? How did you get involved with that? Yes. So God is good, right? Uh, so Andrea Thomas, my partner, executive of Voices for Awareness, the Face in Fentanyl Now.org, that project that uh, basically is around our national day, which is August 21st. Uh, the DEA endorsed it. It's a national fentanyl awareness and prevention day. The face and fentanyl is a coalition when it started of the families affected, right? Mm. Um, Andrea lost her daughter, Ashley, to a half a fentanyl pill. Ashley was an alcoholic, had pancreatitis, ran out of her pills. Boyfriend went to the street, picked up the pills, took the half of the pill that had the, the lethal dose, and she was poisoned. We don't say overdose. Overdose no. means the excessive use of drugs. A half yeah. a pill is not an excessive use of drugs. No. It is a poisoning, right? Uh, when right. you say overdose, I think our society looks at somebody that's a heroin addict with a needle in their arm, so they don't think this is going to happen to them. When you say right. overdose, the recreational user that's only using a little bit on the weekend think this is not going to happen to them when it is. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727 314 7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. The kids that experiment and I only want to try one. Well, that's not an overdose. No, it's a poisoning at the end of the day. So Ashley was poisoning. When she died instantly, her boyfriend that got her the pill committed suicide because he felt like it was his purpose. Mm -hmm. So that half a pill didn't just take one life. It took two and destroyed families and the ripple effect effort. So when um, I How got did you meet Andrea? I got introduced to her from her nephew on TikTok. So to, oh. uh, he followed me for months and, you know, following my journey. He's like, you got to meet my aunt. And it was like months going by. And you know, I was like, God's time. So when I met Andrea, she flew me out to Denver to speak on the national day, the only addict on the panel. And, you know, I was sharing my story and how, you know, addicts are really the only X factor on the war on drugs. Law enforcement can't do it all. Politicians take too much time. If you think about addicts, if we're not picking up the drug, stealing the drug, robbing for the drug and doing everything for the drug. We now take the demand of the drug off the streets. At the same time, these kids don't understand statistics unless it's analytics of social media, views, followers, and likes. When, when 
I don't want my words to be understood. I understand the speed limit. doesn't mean I follow it. But if I get a ticket and spend a night in jail, I will follow the speed limit tomorrow. So these kids need to feel our words. They need to understand and hear our stories. So when I met Andrea, she lost her daughter. I lost my mother. You know what I'm saying? God brought us together. What yep. we did was now combine the families affected with my network of Inspired and Inspired. So my network is not just a recovery community, human trafficking victims, domestic violence victims, homelessness, clothing lines, because recovery is a mindset, lifestyle, way of living. The stigma associated with the word recovery is that it's a drug or drink thing, when in reality, Pain is the universal language. Everyone's out here trying to recover from something. So I'm trying to break the stigma that recovery is actually a humanity thing, that if we could look beyond the stigma of it being drug or drink. So what we did was combine our forces. And now, you know, we we travel the country, speaking from schools, from higher education down to uh, elementary school. We're working with legislation. We're running town halls because they want the addict's perspective in these town halls now, because a lot of these parents are asking for their kids addicted. What do we do? And they don't have no recovery base at these town hall meetings. We're running through it, throwing concerts, you know, but awareness and prevention is all we could do. You know, kids are going to still have to make that choice, but maybe we could help them make a better choice because one bad choice, they won't get a chance to make a decision to make a better choice. I, I agree. And I think that awareness and prevention and education really, as far as I'm concerned, is is the is the key because once someone is addicted to drugs or once someone's tried that one fentanyl pill and died it's too late you're behind yes. you're behind the eight ball you need you need to be there you like you already are there you know and organizations like the one you're involved in need to be there to educate we've talked about this over and over again on the podcast as as i told you you know we talked to Derek Maltz and he you went on Dr. Phil with him. And that's why we asked you to come on because his his whole thing is just education, 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 because these kids, they just, they don't understand. And they think, I'm going to try a Xanax, but I'll only do it once. It's fentanyl. Boom. They're gone. Yep. And with, uh, so we took it a step further, right? So we are launching our youth advocate program, right? Our youth advocate program is a little bit different than I would, I think people, you know, assume where our youth advocate program is not the education and all that kind of stuff. So I've been speaking at recovery-based high schools in Vegas and other places. So the high school is actually recovery-based. Shout out to Mission High School in Vegas, right? Um, <laughs> they, they, they bust the kids from other high schools to this one high school so now recovery is actually part of the curriculum you know what i'm saying it's in the curriculum so what we decided to do is we're going to be taking these kids that are in recovery i met an 18 year old kid with four years clean this this is where we're at in the world wow. yeah yep. right? um we're taking one of the kids that are in recovery we're going to be matching them up with the families affected someone that lost their child so this child will tell his or her story of recovery also share the story of the life that's been poisoned that no longer witness, uh, witness so their story lives on and then explain why recovery is so important as a teenager. Because if you think about it, if you're in recovery, what keeps us clean? Our support system, people that are like us, right? So we are going to the roots. We are now getting the kids involved in their own peer support. So we're going to be launching this. We're going to, our base will be Vegas. It's going to spread nationwide. Uh, our advocate program is going to be something that's more along the lines of maybe like an NAAA type of thing as far as the support system. 
system, but they're going to be doing outreach work. They're going to be recruiting each other. You know, like the kids are going to have to be the ones that keep each other off these drugs because my parents were addicts. I didn't yeah. listen to them what drugs was going to do. Of course not. You me, don't right? listen to your parents. Yeah, so we're we're now getting the kids involved. And when you're in recovery, you want to help. So these kids are working real recovery program. Like I get inspired. They teach me stuff. Mm -hmm. So like um that our youth advocate program is gonna be launching very soon, uh maybe in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. And what's the website, Mike? So the website, uh so voicesforawareness.com is what Andrea created after she learned that fentanyl killed her daughter because no one even knew about fentanyl. This was four years ago, which is beyond my comprehension. COVID within three days, we knew gloves, hand sanitizer, man. Fentanyl's been out seven years and you could walk to someone on the street and they not even know what it is, right? So she created Voices for Awareness to spread the awareness of fentanyl. But the facingfentanylnow.org is the project that's uh, associated with our national day. So anyone could go to the website. You can become a supporter. You hit the supporter. You can, you know, you know, get information. At the same time, we have an opiate reversal kit that, uh, you know, Montana's AG just uh, donated 500 boxes to every school in Montana after our trip there. So the box has Cloxado in it. Cloxado is the eight milligram Nalexon. Narcan is the four milligram Nalexon, right? Uh, as well as there's a QR code on our reversal kits that has updated information. It has videos. It has a recovery. It'll have a recovery app on it for kids. So this way you could just walk past the box in the school, hit the QR code, get the information on um, the clocks autos in there, face masks is in there. So we have a couple other states that have donated. If you go to the website again, faceandfentanylnow.org, you'll see how you could donate it to the school if you're choosing. Usually these boxes go for 500. Our box goes for 80. It has the video dead on arrival uh, on there. I don't know if you ever seen that video. Andrea's no, friends are in, in fact, we were looking for it. Yeah, Dead on Arrival is uh, the video that we show in the schools. It's four of Andrea's friends. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of a nonprofit called Void. Uh, Void is. is it uh, a do I'm sorry, Michael. Is it a documentary? Yes, it's a documentary that interviews each parent. Uh, you have uh, Amy Neville from the Alexander Neville Foundation. Okay. Um, you know, Jaime, I forget his last name. He's from Void. They're all from Void. Um, but yeah, they're in that video. Their stories okay. are powerful. And then the parents talking to the kids. So Andrea, when we do these presentations, is coming from the pain of a parent. Right. And then you have me that comes in that's going to tell you what's going to lead you to drugs, how it's going to make you feel. And whereas we're not the dare program, because if I right, told you don't right. think about elephants, you're probably yeah. thinking about elephants. So yeah. I'm not going to tell you not to do drugs. I'm just no. going to tell you, like, this is what's going to happen. So right. that's why her and I's collaboration is growing so rapidly into our nation right now. OK. And so I just want to say it again. So there's I'm um, I want to make sure I get it out. There's facing fentanyl. Facing fentanyl now. Facing and then yes. voices for awareness.com. Okay, so voices for awareness.com, facing fentanylnow.org. And that's yes. where you can get, and that's where our listeners can get all the information on these projects that are going to happen. Yes. And I'll also, because yeah, I put a thing up on the video, but I'll also put it in the show notes so that people can find those websites and go from there. Um, Michael, I appreciate you so much um, and what you're doing because 
you're making a difference. Thank you so much. I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to be on such a magnificent podcast because I know you guys have a lot of listeners and a lot of people tune in to you guys for information and you guys are getting them the right information and your interviews are magnificent. You have the right people that are saying the right things with the passion in their voice. So I feel honored to just be another one of your guests and I and I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Once again, those websites are, and I will put it up as a graphic, are voicesforawareness.com and facingfentanylnow.org. That's facingfentanylnow.org. So, Those are websites that you really should check out and get educated and learn what's happening. We'll be back again with another interview. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is the addiction podcast at yahoo.com.